Now you start to see an organization say, hey, I believe in this. It's real. There hasn't been an environment where that cultural belief was real. They shared that fear. They shared that feeling. They shared that thing they weren't good at. And they got penalized for it. They got in trouble. They got whatever the consequences were. But once you can start creating that safety in a one-on-one connection, in a group connection as a full team, you start seeing a shift happening. I'm Steven Pesavento and welcome to the Name Your Number podcast presented by The Investor Mindset. As someone who comes from a challenging childhood, I've spent my life seeking financial security, personal growth, and ultimately freedom. The freedom to not wake up worried about the next paycheck, but rather with the confidence of knowing that my passive income pays my bills without the need to think about it. When you name your number that you'll earn passively, that creates your ultimate quality of life, then I believe you've achieved real freedom. Welcome to my show. It's time to name your number. Welcome to the Name Your Number show presented by the Investor Mindset. I'm Stephen Pesavento, and I'm excited to have in the studio today, Scott Miller. How are you doing today, Scott? Doing great, Steve. How are you doing? How's everything? It's an honor to be here with you. I'm doing phenomenal. I just got back from a great trip to the Smoky Mountains, and I uh, couldn't think of a better thing to do on my first day back than diving into you because you just wrote a new book, The Summit Mindset. And as a guy who loves mindset and loves growth, I know we're going to have some really good things to talk about today. Absolutely. I look forward to talking about book, business, and life. So I look forward to getting started. Yeah. So it's fascinating because you've had 30 years in the beverage industry. You've been, you know, executive, you've grown businesses, you've done a lot of things. Kind of looking back, what was the first thing that you named, that first target, the first thing that you're really going after in in that pursuit of kind of creating a better life? Yeah, great question. I have to tell you, Steve, it actually goes back to my mid-20s. I lost my dad early in life. And on his deathbed, he basically said Mm. to me, I'm sorry. And I said, what are you sorry for? He said, I should have tried harder. And it kind of seared right through me. I felt that was a real Mm. intersection in my life. Like, okay, I'm going to make that weakness of yours my strength. And we grew up very humble beginnings, you know, very poor. And I really just set out that said, I'm going to really go after everything I want in my life. And I'm going to create a vision. I'm going to do the reps every day. And I really started to really go back and like whiteboard my life and decide, Hey, I want to be a CEO someday. I want to run a business. So that was my earliest really intersectional life. And I think we all have those intersections and it's what we do with them. Right. Yeah, it really is. I, I find that it's in those moments of difficulty and challenge that some of our greatest wisdom comes up, right? It's, it's in that moment that you hear this 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 message from your father and you realize, oh, well, there there's another level to this game and I want to play it. Well, yeah. Why CEO? Why did you want to run businesses? You know, I felt I always loved business. I loved, you know, it felt like a competitive environment. It felt like something where you can see a lot of talent around. You can see people and you can also have this kind of progression on where you go and what you do. And it's really what I've always loved. It's been kind of in my soul, kind of that entrepreneurial spirit. And um, I was blessed to really start on the warehouse floor at Pepsi and saw a lot of great people in the Pepsi organization and had a vision for what I wanted to do. So I've always kind of had a learner's mindset. And I think today we all got to keep evolving, right? Because we got to keep changing as the world changes. And I believe leaders are learners. So it's always been my passion. I remember going through, got a couple employee reviews and bosses saying to me, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be a CEO. And they said, "Ah, 
There's only one of those jobs. (laughs) So I continued on that path, doing the reps every day. And by the age of 42, I became a CEO. And I've been an operating CEO for about 20 years now. And I have to tell you, uh, it's been an honor. It's been a real privilege to, to lead people and be part of a team and be a teammate with others. What do you think separates the people who are focused on growth, who are focused on on having that vision, on learning, on putting that line in the sand versus those people who just never quite make it? What's different about those people? It's really interesting. I think that sometimes humans, we believe things should be a straight line. And when they're not a straight line and we fall off, we just stop. And I think those folks that continue to go through things, anyone successful that I've ever met has been through a great deal of adversity in life. And it's ability to have a North Star. What are you in pursuit of? And then knowing it's not a straight line and continue to go after that North Star. When you get snowed in, you got to go up the backside and keep going. And it's the consistency that really is a separator. I think that one word consistency over time is a true separator. That really starts to close the gaps on everything you want to achieve in life. Yeah, because when you're not consistent, when you're not staying in the game, when you're not getting those reps, yeah, you're missing that opportunity to have that win to create the momentum to keep going. Absolutely. And you you know, you stop learning, you give up, and you you don't put the ball back in play. And I believe that's what life is, right? Every day is not a great day. Things go wrong for all of us. Some days I'm great at things. Other days I stink at things. But how do you put things back in play and continue after that North Star, whatever you're in pursuit of in life? I think that's really the human experience. It's the greatest part of it that, you know, to be in pursuit keeps us all stimulated. Yeah. Well, you, you've, you're clearly at a point where you've made it in many people's eyes. You've been a CEO, you've built companies, you're building new companies today. When it comes to that life, when it comes to that pursuit of greatness of, of a great life, what do you really want from your life now? What, what's the, the chapter that you're building towards and why is that really important to you? I think it's uh, it's an excellent question. I think what I want in my life is what I've always really wanted to continue to evolve, right? I think that it's not just business. It's who I am as, you know, I have four pillars of my life, my faith, my family, others, and business. And I want to continue to involve in all those things. And if you ask me what I want to be, I just want to be the best human I can be. And that doesn't mean perfect, just means progress. So when I have those pillars, I toggle between them. Some of them are upside down or inside out, but I'm always making adjustments and continue to involve and really have a learner's mindset. I think the last part here, Steve, is look, we can learn from everybody. I'll learn from you today. We'll learn from our neighbors. There's always someone that knows something we don't know. And when we take that approach and that learner's mindset, we do continue to look for improvement and it starts to really happen naturally. So to answer your question, I just want to continue on the journey and be the best I can be. And some days are better than others. And how do you know that you that you're, you're staying on that line towards that growth? Like what's the, what's the metric? How do you measure that when it comes to growth? Yeah. Again, I think that when you look at organizations and people, it's always an inside out job. And I think what humans don't like to do is talk about what they stink at. We all like to talk about what we're good at and what we enjoy. We don't like to talk about what we stink at. Organizations, departments don't like to talk about what they stink at. They like to talk about how they perform well. But I believe the inside out job is about always recalibrating. And when you know what your North Star is and you understand what your pillars are, you basically kind of set the roadmap on where you want to run your car. And of course, when you go off course, as we all do, how you recalibrate, get back in line. In business, I always say, let's review the tape. 
Let's talk about what we could do better. Is our supply chain broken? Is our finance team broken? Is our marketing team broken? And as a human, what can we do better? What are our pillars? What do we stand for? You know, I think a lot of times I hear folks say when I interview people, probably like yourself through life, hey, tell me a little bit about Steven. You'll say, well, you know, I'm a good guy. I'm a hardworking. I'm a family guy. Well, we can close our eyes. We could all say that. But who actually is Steve and what does he stand for? And that's why when I run organizations, the first question I ask, do we have a North Star? What's our purpose? You know, what is the work we have to do and what do we stink at? So I think that's really what keeps you going and kind of keeps you recalibrating. And I think that's when we know that, again, it's not about perfection. It's just about making progress, right? And recalibrating, like watch a sporting event. How do you put the ball back in play? I think we need to do that organizationally. And I think as humans, we need to do that. And I think that's when organizations feel more fulfilled and so do individuals. When it comes to this book that you wrote, The Summit Mindset, you know, you've obviously had a lot of success. You're, you're building a new company. We can talk about that as well. Why take the time to sit down and, and write a book in today's day and age, there's so many books out there. There's so much information. What inspired you to sit down and take that wisdom and knowledge that you had and share it with the world? Yeah, I think that I got to the point in my life, I'm 60 years old today. And I've every decade mm-hmm. of my life, if I look back and reflect on it, I've had a great deal of personal adversity. I've had business adversity. And I felt that I want to leave something for people to reflect on and think about. And that's really what the Summit Mindset is. It's a book that a CEO could read in the boardroom or an individual could read it in an organization or your mom could read it. There's something mm-hmm. like we talk about adversity. We talk about others. We talk about a North star and we talk about, you know, what's happiness, right? So I think there's a lot to be said and it's really a prescriptive book. It's a, it's really at the end of each chapter. Hey, pause, reflect. Where are you in this chapter? Are you on this journey? So I believe the summit mindset is a hybrid book that can really help people's business and their personal life. I just felt in my life, it was time to take those experiences, put them on paper. I felt it was worth saying. And mm. I'm a big believer in people. And I'm a big big proponent of others and uh, being a servant leader. So that's what really caused me to write the book. And I'm really proud of the work I did with James Seymour, who's a New York Times bestselling author. And we did it together. And um, it was a tough journey. It was different, right? Never cut my teeth on something like that before, but I loved it. I loved it. I find that when you you go through a book and you're a reader and you're sitting down and you've got just an amazing, amazing set of exercises in front of you and you're asking those questions, there's so much that can be discovered, whether it's a book or it's coaching or it's a course. What would somebody take away by going through your book and going through and, and, and discovering those things for themselves. Yeah. Look, I think an organization can only do a few things really well. I think people can only do a few things really well. As we started this conversation, what are you individually in pursuit of? What is your North star personally? What is an organization's North star? And I love to talk about this when it's overstated, but what's happiness to you, right? People think happiness is a big house, you know, big car and a big, big title. But happiness to me is even having this conversation with you, like what sets your soul on fire? What gets you up in the morning? We talked about your love and my love of the beach, right? My love of the mountains, your love of the mountains. So how do you define happiness? And I think what happens to a lot of folks in life, whether they're young, in the middle of their life, or towards the end of their life, they're kind of, 
they've lost their mojo because they haven't really gone after what defines happiness for them. They haven't set that expectation. So I think if you take anything away from the summit mindset, this is a, you know, this is a, not a dress rehearsal, right? We got to do what really sets our soul on fire, what we love to do. And I think what happens to folks, we kind of conform to life and we kind of conform of where we are. And I, I just want to encourage people to have courage, right? Be bold, you know, do what you believe makes you happy and have courage. I think it's really important. I think we have to get outside of our comfort zone. And I think my victories in life have come through struggle. The winner's circle, the work's done. It's really the, the climb. Yeah, I think there's nothing more powerful than discovering who you are, what you're the best at, what you're not good at, what right. life's really about. And, and for me, that journey, that path came after a lot of struggle, you know, a lot yeah. of hardship, a lot of difficult times. And I found myself, I got into this, this mindset, this mentality of more. I kept yeah. growing the business. I kept needing to have more. There was never enough wasn't celebrating those victories. And then I, you know, we all had the gift of COVID and some people uh, mm -hmm. didn't look at it like that, but I ended up selling my house. I went out to Hawaii and I was staying at this nine acre estate. It actually was the built by the beach boys, beautiful home. And the owner of that building uh, was a man who had retired. He was a, a home builder back in, back in the East. And he saw that, that drive, that never ending, never enough mentality. And he asked me a question. He asked me, what's your number? At what point will it be enough? At what point will you say I've, you've made it and you can enjoy the path. And that really, it, it really stuck with me. It really made me sit down and think, well, what is enough? And so what I'm curious for you is what comes up when, when I ask that question, what is your number? what point you've made it, not even the number itself, unless you're comfortable sharing that target that you have, but what comes up when you think about that question? Well, I love the question. I'll share with you a little bit. This, this summer I had a very tragic experience of adversity where I had someone who had been my driver for a long time mm. and, you know, passed away while driving with me with a heart attack. Mm. And that moment as I sat on the curb, and I thought about how is my life? You know, mm -hmm. if I didn't make it today, how would I be? And I believe as I reflect on that, I'm at the point in my life where I, I've achieved enough. I know who I am as a human being. I know that what makes me happy. And I'm really comfortable in my skin for all my imperfections and all my good qualities. So I think for me, I've always loved building companies. I love employing people. I love being a teammate. I've always wanted to build a billion dollar business. And I'm on that path now as I'm building something new again. So for me, enough is about being in pursuit. And that pursuit is being a good dad. My kids are grown now, being a good husband, a good human, and continuing to build companies and to be in pursuit and have purpose. So as I reflected this summer on that terrible tragedy, I felt my what life is enough because it's purpose-driven. And I never want to stop being purpose-driven. I want to be 90, be purpose-driven. As long as I have my mind, I want to be purpose-driven. Because only for me, that's, that's what really sets my soul on fire. That's how I'm wired, right? So, yeah, that, that's the way I would answer that. And I think as you reflect on whatever verse you've been through, Stephen, in those times, what we learn, and then we kind of like say, okay, how do we reset the path? 
you know, is something missing? How do we, what's our enough? What's missing? And um, I've gotten to the point in my life where I'm doing the things I love and I don't find anything's missing, but I want to keep evolving. Yeah. Every time I get to that point where I feel like uh, something's not right, I used to just push through it. I used to just fight through it. And I've been learning to flow through it instead, finding that path towards what's easy, not necessarily going away from the hard thing, but what's that easier path towards allowing and attracting those things in? Because one of the biggest challenges that I've faced was was a death similar to yeah. yours. My uh, my younger sister passed away in a car accident unexpectedly, and yeah, I had the gift of spending two weeks with her before and um but that whole time I was working, I was working on a summit. I had 800 people before COVID on a summit and we were launching these things. And, and I was excited about all those things. Then all of a sudden in a moment, the thing that you never think happens to you, the thing you see on the news, yeah. it's right in front of you. And all of a sudden, all those business things didn't matter. Right. And all of a sudden you realize that maybe this conversation we have is our last conversation. Right. And we want to enjoy it. We want to connect that there's something more meaningful. And so for me, that's been been a really powerful realignment moment to be able to come back to that because everybody's dealing with something at some point oh. and we don't have to rate how much worse it is or better it is than what we've experienced. But as long as we're going out there, we have a purpose, we're trying to make an impact we're trying to create a great life and we're enjoying the process along the way. I couldn't think of a better way to live. Yeah. I'm so sorry to hear about your sister. And I agree with you. I think that what I've learned through time is life is as delicate as a blink of an eye. And if we kind of in those moments are reflecting and learning and asking ourselves, who are we and what do we want to contribute and how do we want to live? That's the best way to live. Right. And we learn that not through the, you know, 800 people on the summit from the businesses. We learned that in the Valley, right? <laughs> we learned that, that statement forged by fire. And, you know, you can't sleepwalk through those times. You have to be reflective through those times. So I think that's really important. And I think there's a lot of that in the summit mindset, the book. And um, like you said, we're all going through something. It's how we kind of evolve through it. And, you know, the last thing I'll say is it's part of living, right? And I think sometimes we forget that, like, we want the lottery. We want things to be perfect, but living's not perfect, man. And, you know, it happens to all of us. So if you understand that it's just evolving through it. It's, it's actually, I think the biggest challenge that we're facing as a society today is that a lot of people they've been, they've been trained and taught pleasure, immediate gratification. And we're going, so we're, we're doing everything we can to not experience pain, but sometimes that pain is exactly what we need to experience because that's where we really discover who we are and the greatness that's there and motivates us to go and do something bigger and better and greater in the world for other people, for ourselves, for our families. And so if, if anything, I think it's, you know, go towards it, right? Like, like lean into it. Yeah. You have to endure it. You have to learn through it. And I haven't met anyone who's really interesting as a person who hasn't endured and leaned into that and been through that adversity. And look, you and I both in our life, Stephen, will go through more pain and we'll hopefully along that journey, understand how to lean into it more because we've been there before and we didn't sleepwalk through it. We were awake 
we were learning and asking ourselves, hey, is this how we want to live? Are we doing enough? And to me, you know, I, I will say that I think that we're, we should all be stewards of giving back and serving people. And I don't mean that has to be grandiose. I mean, it's holding the door open, right? It's talking to your neighbor. It's the little things and it's the big things. And, you know, those things are fulfilling. And I think through adversity, you, you kind of, you're always recalibrating because like yourself, I'm a hard charging guy. And, you know, I like to work out. I like to run. I like to build businesses. But what's really important, Right. That's why the summit mindset was important to me. Writing that book was important. I wanted to put my thoughts onto paper. I wanted to talk about some adversity. And I wanted to talk about the human side of life. And I think that can be talked about in organizations to an extent as well. I think vulnerability as leaders can be a strength. Let's talk about the book. I want to do a little side quest here into the book and talk a little bit about one of the lessons or the stories. I'd love it if you'd share with us kind of one of your favorite, one of the most impactful lessons from that book so that the listeners and myself can kind of get an idea of, of the way that you've put this together and, and, and walk away today with something that they can run with. Yeah, great. I think that, you know, as I've gone in and run organizations, I've run them in two ways turning them around or setting them up for the sale process. And I'll talk about my most recent at Essentia. Essentia, a great brand filled with great people, premium water brand, alkaline water. Ken Uptain, the founder of that brand, started 22 years ago. And I went in as a CEO to help him set that business up for sale. And when I went into that business filled with great people, I asked him who they were, what they were trying to achieve. And what I found was great people, but a very fragmented organization siloed different departments all doing separate things. And I talked about a North Star and I said, let's do this together. Let's do it as a senior team. Let's have a town hall meeting. Let's have all our employees talk about it. Let's vote on what our North Star is. And our North Star became to be the number one premium water in North America. And we achieved the number two spot, smart water being the only water in front of us and sold an excellent business to Nestle, the largest food and beverage company in the world. And, you know, when you're taken over by a big company like that, and I stayed in integrated, they were filled with great people too, and they had great resources. But this tiny but mighty Accenture team had a vision for what they wanted to be. And during the senior leadership meetings, we shared our vision to be the number one premium water. We shared our pillars being people first, right? During COVID at Accenture, during the lockdown, we gave $5,000 to each employee with children 16 years of younger to help them for homeschooling, to get a computer, to get a desk for the house. People first became an action. We lived it and breathed it. So culture can't be a plaque on the wall. You have to live and breathe it. And you have to have a North Star. When we woke up every day at Ascension, we were in pursuit to be the number one premium water. At the end of the week, we talked about how we were doing. It's kind of like in life, how's the weather? Well, in an organization, what's your North Star? And once you do that, that becomes your weather bell, hey, to be the number one premium water. And we galvanize as a team. And what you saw is a finger pointing stopped, how we problem solved together, how as departments, we, we shared learnings, we cross-functionalized problem solving. That's because we we're all in pursuit of the same goal. So to me, that is one of my most recent experiences to see human beings come together under one cause. When... When somebody goes through that process of discovering that focus point, I think there's nothing more powerful for an organization or a family or a group of people who are working closely together. What are questions that can be asked to help bring 
different viewpoints from that team so that everybody feels as if they're contributing towards creating that vision? I love it. I think that, first of all, you have to let everybody know everyone's a valuable voice. Then nothing you're going to be said, you're going to be penalized for. And the organization has to believe that, right? Because if that's culture, just a plaque on the wall, they call BS on it. So I always like to talk about what do we stink at? Let's start there. What are we not good at? Like I talked earlier, I think you do that organizationally, you do that individually. Now, when we figure out what we stink at or what we suck at, how do we create consistency there? Do we have a supply chain problem? How do we get better at it? Do we have a communication problem? Communication is typically the easiest thing, but it's the hardest thing, right? It's kind of like common sense. It's not that common. How do we step up our cadence on communication? When we can vulnerably talk about our weaknesses, we all know our strengths. We know what we're good at. That's happening almost naturally. Our weaknesses are a struggle. They're bone on bone. That's when you start to see the team say, wow, okay, we're going to solve this. We're going to do it together. That's when they feel shared buy-in. And I think that's really important. I love what we stink at. I think it's an inside-out job for organizations. And quite frankly, I think it's an inside-out for individuals, right? Some days I'm great at things. Other days I stink at things. But that's just living. And when you can be that vulnerable, people feel, hey, we're all human. Let's row the boat together. Let's figure out what's not working. Let's solve it. And when you do that, I always say it's never about one of us. It's about all of us. But you got to live it. You got to really believe it. And you got to let people give their opinions, right? You got to let them have that valuable voice. Look, we all spend a ton of time at work and that should be productive time. And I always say, when you shut the lights off at the end of the week, you should feel you added value this week. What do you say to the people who they have a fear of sharing that? They have a fear of answering that question. Maybe it's an internal fear. Maybe it's something that they experience at some point in their life but they have a block and they can't seem to wrap their head around saying that out loud and being honest with them. What would you say to help them work through that to, to get to the point where, where they can really know themselves and be able to share that with others? Great question. I think you first have to start with consistently find someone in your organization, a colleague that you can talk one-on-one with. And then in a town hall meeting, when there's a town hall, if you have this kind of communicative spirit in the organization, ask a question and get an answer. And I always say practice like you play. If you want to get better at something, make it a consistent habit, right? Organizations have good habits, bad habits, so do human beings. So if you have that fear, do it really small one-on-one, then do it in a little bit of a larger group. But make it a consistent part of what you're doing on a regular basis, because as you know, Stephen, through time and repetition, we all get more comfortable. The less repetition and the less, you know, consistency, we're uncomfortable. So, you know, lean into the struggle a little bit, you know, grow when you're uncomfortable, start it really small, crawl, walk, run. And I think when you take over an organization, in the beginning in town halls, it's crickets, right? Who's the new guy? I don't really want to speak. But through time, when someone asks a tough question, they're not penalized and there's a back and forth. All of a sudden, you go from one participant to five to 50 participants. Now you start to see an organization say, hey, I believe in this. It's real. That's the key, right? Is is that individual who is fearful of sharing that or the collective that's fearful of sharing that? It's because there hasn't been an environment where that cultural belief was real. They shared that fear. They shared that feeling. They shared that thing they weren't good at and they got penalized for it. They got in trouble. They got 
whatever the consequences were. But once you can start creating that safety in a one-on-one connection, in a group connection as a full team, you start seeing a shift happening where people are willing to take risks. They're willing to speak up. And in a business environment, that's critical, but it's just as critical in your own personal relationship. So that's what's so beautiful about learning these leadership skills that you're talking about, Scott, is that they apply not only in the world of entrepreneurship and running a business, but they apply in everyday life. Yeah, I fully agree with you, Stephen. Um, That's why business to me is about individuals and organizations. And I think that everyday life, teammates are important and working on these things and talking about them and figure out ways to become more consistent. That becomes your greatest asset, right? But people have to feel comfortable and they have to believe it's authentic. They have to feel the authenticity of it. Well, this has been this has been amazing, Scott. It's been great being able to dive into some of these things with you. As we kind of get to the end of the show and we we begin to wrap up, I have one last question for you. Before I get there, will you share with the audience how they can get in touch or kind of follow along or find their way towards buying the Summit Mindset? Yeah, the Summit Mindset you can find on our splash page, our website, summitmindsetthebook.com. You can find us on the Summit Mindset Instagram as well. We're also available on Amazon or where all books are sold. So I look forward to people picking it up, reading it and pausing a little bit. And as we talk today, looking at some of those intersections and doing some work. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to dive in. I'm excited to uh, hear some feedback from the listeners on all the great lessons they take away. Well, as we as we wrap up here, the question I have for you is is around this idea of creating a great life, whether that's through building a business, whether that's through investing. This goes to those people who they're they're working in a job they don't love. They're making good money, but they're not really sure. They want to find that path towards that next thing, that next chapter, that thing that they can be excited about. They can be motivated about. They can be clear on who they are and how they're going to show up. What advice do you have for those people who want and know that it's possible to create something better, but they haven't taken the action to get there yet? Yeah, it's an excellent question. I think the first thing individuals have to do is who are you? Who is Steven? Who is Scott? You know, what is your North Star? What do you want to be in pursuit of your life? And then you have to decide to take action against that and be consistent every day to do that work. I think that consistency is a magic bullet, right? And also define what your pillars are, what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. And then I encourage people, as I said earlier, to really have courage, to be bold and to do the work every day to dream awake and make that vision a reality. Look, it's hard work. It's not easy. But if it was easy, everybody could do it. But here's the point, Stephen. Everybody can do it. But first, they have to decide what they're actually in pursuit of. And I think folks often don't know what they're in pursuit of. So aligning what you're in pursuit of and then doing the consistent work, doing the reps every day and just staying on that focused vision, right? It's not a straight line. Well, this has been super great. Scott Miller, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you to all the listeners who have continued to support the podcast and continue to listen. I want you guys to reflect on today's conversation and ask yourself the question, what today did I hear that I can implement in my life today and make a commitment and go forward and work towards creating a really beautiful life? Thanks so much and have a beautiful day. Today's episode is sponsored by Von Finch Capital. 
If you're interested in investing alongside me in the same type of real estate opportunities that I personally invest in, then head over to Von Finch Capital and join their private investor network. You can do so at vonfinch.com slash invest. Join me on that next deal. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. Hey, this is Steven again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is the Insider's Newsletter. Would you enjoy getting a single email every week with some of my favorite things, including tips and strategies on how to get the most out of your life and your investments? Basically, what it is is some of the coolest things that I've discovered or am pondering when it comes to life, investing, and business delivered in a short email every week to your inbox. Easy to sign up for, easy to cancel. If you'd like to try it out, type into your browser, investormindset.com newsletter to get started, and you'll get the very next one.